Oh my gosh, if you're hearing that, folks, you know what it means. It means baseball will happen in the year 2020. Can we get a round of applause, everybody? Yeah. Woo! There we go. Yankees baseball is going to happen. Oh my gosh, we are so excited for that. Breaking news as of yesterday. Major League Baseball and the Players Association have agreed after a, nearly 100 days, 99 days of lockout and fears of no baseball in 2022, we're going to have baseball, folks. They agreed yesterday late, and the season is going to be set to start on April 7th. Boy, has it been an absolute uh, um, mess. Mess is the best way to put this. A real nail-biter. real nail-biter. We didn't. Honestly, didn't think there were people talking about there would be there's been no no season, but um, we're we're thankfully wrong with that. Um, we're we're excited. I, I I I the news broke and I immediately texted you, and uh, I forget what you wrote and you were like finally or like hallelujah or you said, yes, said something. Um, well, really, I think this is the best scenario that could have happened because okay, so they missed uh, like a week of spring training games, whatever. The opening day gets pushed back a week, which really, I mean, the opening day should be in April anyway. Well, historically, it's always been that first week of April. Yeah. So April 7th is is not that far off of, I mean, this year was early because this year it was March 29th or 30, 31st was yeah. the first day. Yeah, that Thursday. Yeah. Uh, so I'm fine with it being on the 7th. Again, baseball should start in April because it, it starts in spring. Uh, they're going to make up the uh, first couple series of games at the end of the year. So we're going to get a full 162 games. Yep. Uh, some of the stuff that they agreed to in the agreement. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, which is great. I, I really I don't care about the money stuff, as we said before. I just want these two sides to work it out so we could just have a little bit of baseball. But From everything – go ahead. Sorry. But I think they really averted disaster here by, uh, by it, giving us a full season and the – both the players and the owners are happy with their agreement that they made. Uh, we didn't lose regular se- We didn't lose a lot of regular season games. We're still going to make them up. If this had continued into April or May, uh, that would have probably would have been a uh, terrible for the sport. Let's just say the least. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all the fears about you know, well, you know, baseball is going to lose fans and revenue. Uh, well, all of that has been thankfully averted and prevented so and all the people who are saying i'm not watching baseball again or whatever uh i was kind of teetering on that edge but now i I don't care anymore they worked it out so what whatever uh get ready for uh i guess about a half about probably about 10 or 15 days of just craziness with deals that are gonna be made between all the all the all the clubs um now if you're a an orioles fan an Oakland A's fan or a Tigers fan, just be prepared for another year of disappointment. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Not going to be a whole lot there to uh, to be happy for. So some of the big things that we got out of this was um, was that they expanded the postseason to 12 teams from six teams, which I – no, sorry, eight teams. A- eight teams is what, is what made it to the playoffs. Uh, and now they're doing 12 teams, which – and it says here with the top two division winners receiving a bye – so I was trying to think about how this would work in a bracket. I mean, we're we're baseball moving more towards the playoff system we have in the NHL or the NBA. I hope we don't get to the level of the NBA where literally half yeah. of the league makes to the playoffs. I've always liked that baseball has different. been very difficult to make, to make the playoffs. You have to really work. It, it It's a marathon because – 
truly we know who the, who the best team in each division is when the season's done because you've had 162 games to play. There's no doubt that this is the better team to move on. Um, but expanding it to 12 teams, and it says with the two division winners receiving a bye. So is that each division? So if the American League East, if the Yankees and Tampa Bay Rays are the two, do they get a bye into the next round and then the and then everyone down below? Because I don't know. what. because if you have two teams from each division, that's six for the American League. So I don't know how that's going to work with maybe someone can explain it to me because I have been looking at this. I don't know how they're going to do this. Maybe it'll be more like the NHL and NBA where really the divisions don't matter per se. Um, it, it's all based on the, the amount of wins that you have in the overall league, the overall points you have. And it doesn't only matter as, as far as it goes with the division. And maybe it's the top, it's the top 12 teams that have the most wins in that, in that league. So your top, your top, um, your top um, six teams, sorry, will um, will move on from each from each league. Uh, I'm not sure about that, but I mean it, it could add some more. I just don't want the postseason to be dragged any longer. I think that we're at a nice healthy length, where it takes up a good month. Yeah. Usually October is is all playoff baseball. I don't want this rolling into November. Well, I mean the season's already long enough. I mean, well the reason why is because. If you have a postseason in Minnesota yeah. and you're playing in November, that is not fun. Not th- th- that is not. Or if you have a postseason game in Cleveland or New York, uh, that's, that's, not, that's not fun. Nobody wants to play November baseball in New York uh, when, it, when, it's, when it's below freezing. Or Detroit and or whatever. Yeah. Detroit, yeah. Well, I'm not saying Detroit's going to have Chicago, a, but, you know. But, yeah, unless you're playing in Los Angeles, Phoenix, or Florida, I, I don't see anybody willing to play you know, baseball in November. Well, I mean, I guess they'll they'll deal with that if that ever becomes a situation. They say, "Oh, we're going to play all the games in Tampa." No, see, no, um, I don't, can't I don't, do that. I don't like that either, though. Which is why I I don't know. I mean, I guess the this is all literally twelve hours old, so we're not we don't know exactly what the brackets are going to look like and what the format's going to look like. I'm predicting it's going to look like a smaller version of what we have in the in the NHL and NBA, as I've stated before, where more teams will move on and then. Uh, your your top winners will have a buy, so that means they'll probably got to skip the American League and National League Division Series, possibly, because usually those are the four teams that play in those series. So I'm thinking that your top your top two teams from each league will just get a buy, and they'll merely go to the ALCS and NLCS. Which I mean, I don't know if I like that entirely because there has been many moments where teams have. Um, beaten the best. I mean, what the Atlanta Braves did it last year. Mm-hmm. The Atlanta Braves beat the 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 best team in baseball at the time, and the um, Dodgers had the most wins behind the um, Giants. So I, I don't know if I like that necessarily. Um, just for the standpoint of oh, because you've had more wins doesn't necessarily mean that in a seven game series you're just gonna stomp all over them. We've seen many times where the underdog has come through in a five or six game series. But the big one I have to see is the universal DH. Finally. Yeah. I, I, I was, I've been calling for this for, I don't know how long it's time for universal DH and for all the purists out there. Um, I, I, I will, I don't care about your tears. 
Nobody wants to go watch Bartolo a pitch, Colon. A Bartolo Colon, <laughs> or um, or or any one of these pitchers go and bat. It, it, no one, listen. No one wants to go see Justin Verlander take a bat in the in a World Series game when the game's on the line. It, it, no, it, sorry, nobody wants to see in the third or, in the third and sixth inning these starting pitchers go up there and bunt in, in the American League and the National League. And for people out there who's like, oh, but Jacob, there's a lot of great pitchers who can hit. That's 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 true. Like Clayton Kershaw is, is a good hitter, uh, and um, Otani, and I think I'm like um. DeGrom's also a good hitter as too. There's nothing stopping them from a pinch hitting. Nope. They can still pinch hit if there's a situation in the line. Now, will they pinch hit? Probably not because these pitchers are um, coveted. They're too valuable. They're too valuable to go up there and pinch to hit. But they, it's, it's not like they can't hit anymore. But the argument that people give me is that, oh, well, it's, it's an integral part of the game. Really? Do, are, you in the, are you in the edge of your seat whenever you see the fifth man in the rotation go up there and take the bat and bunt? No. We know there's going to be two outcomes that is going to happen from this. He's going to either bunt a man over because, let's be honest, he's not bunting for a hit here. Or he's going to strike out. Or if the pitcher's really, really bad on the mound, he'll walk him. Uh, there's very few cases do they get the green light to swing. Very few cases, except for the people that I previously mentioned. There was something else about um dra- about uh. I saw they were getting rid of the shifts. shifts. Yeah. yeah, I saw something about shifts Go in down. here. You, you, you was it down it. here? Uh, defensive uh, positioning. Uh, rule changes. Oh yeah, beginning in 2023, a uh, comp a committee compromised of four active players, six members appointed one. Appointed by the MLB and one umpire should be tasked with adopting changes to playing rules such as pitch clocks, base size, defensive positioning, and automatic balls and strike zones. Um, pitch clock, yes. Base size, I whatever. I mean, the only thing I, I could, the only reason why I could see a, a bigger base size, maybe safety. you're gonna have safety for the players, less broken fingers, less um, collisions with spikes on the bases. Um, and then there's also more room for s- someone who's sliding into second or third to um, t- to not clip a finger or to um, if they go in spikes first, if they do slide feet first, that they're not going to hit the other guy's shin. So I'm not necessarily against that. I think there's a obviously there's a fine line to find there with um, not making it too big where it's it's giving too much advantage to the to the, to the runner. But I think that. That's a fair thing to say if you added an inch or two more. Well, I mean, most of these collisions only happen at second base. Yeah, second base is where someone's stealing a base or trying to advance on a... So maybe they just made the second base a little bit larger and left first and third the same. But then again, would that be un- would that be not considered? I don't know. I don't know. Um, defensive positioning, we're talking about shifts there. I'm completely for that. You know, that. you know, I go back and forth on the shifts. I, I understand both sides of the argument. I still tend to fall on the side of just learn to hit better. But but no. No, but look, look. If we know if from a manager's point of view when they're when they're assembling a defensive positioning for the infield and outfield, if I know that 90% of the time this guy is going to pull it, it would be stupid not to position my guys in the best chance to stop that play. I, I'm I'm sorry. Okay, but 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 before the shift, um, the game moved along in a much faster 
uh, pace because, oh, if a guy you know hits a little lobber into right or left field, okay, that's an, that's an automatic base hit. But since the shift has come out, the only scenario in which someone actually gets on base is through a home run or a walk. Yeah, but do you know how you stop that? You can't just say hit Learn to hit the other way. Learn to hit the other that, way. But that's, not, but that's not possible for every player, though. But, I, but if they start to do that, then, then they do the opposite of the shift. They go to, they go to left field. So, well, so I, I, I am completely against the shift. I think it is stupid. I think it's created a situation where there's one of two outcomes in a nat bat. It's a home run or a, or a strikeout. I think that's terrible for the sport. I think it's a little bit unfair that they can just put these players wherever they want. You can put everyone in the outfield or put everyone in the infield. I don't think that's right. Um, the, the, the baseball is the only sport where we complain about 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 defensive p- positioning. You don't hear about this in soccer. No one's like, "Oh, you can't have five. You can't have five in the back. That's not fair. You can't have four up front. That's not fair." What? That, you, you 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 can't have five back. Five five people on the defensive line keeping the goalkeeper. That's not fair. What? You can't have seven people on the offensive line for a football game. Okay, but but no. but but if we look at it like this, but though, what I'm saying is that baseball is the only sport where where this kind of argument is allowed. Okay, but if they if we had had the shift throughout the entire history of the sport, then these major hitters like Jeter, uh, Pete Rose, uh, Roberto, Colon, all these guys that have thousands and thousands of hits never would have happened. Possibly, but no, no, no but you're talking about happened. you're talking about guys who have the ability to go other way. Derek Jeter was the best at going the other way. He was the best at being able to swing inside out and hit balls to all parts of the field. But his, you can, but you his, can, but you can still probably cut his numbers in half. No, you can still no. cut Pete Rose Jeter, numbers in half. Jeter played cut. with the shift. He did. He played under he, he played against Joe Madden's Tampa Bay Rays for many, many years. And I, I just, Joe Madden was the one who pioneered all this crap. I don't believe that you can just say, oh, well, you just got to hit better. I, I, I don't buy that. Look, Joe I, Madden. Okay, we're going to look at I, I Joe know, Madden managed know, the Tempe race. I know about Joe Madden. He concocted this evil scheme in the dugout. I get that. But at the same time, though, I just I don't think this – I don't think it's fair. I don't think it's fair for players who are – who who just to say, well, you got to hit better. To- Joe Madden was at the race for 2006-2014, so that is eight years that Derek Jeter, because Derek Jeter retired in 2014, 2015. So he had to play eight years against the shift, against the team that they played against more than anybody else. I just don't, I don't buy the argument that you cut people's numbers in half because of a shift if they're good hitters. Okay. And baseball is the only sport where we complain about this. I, they don't I'm, complain about this in football. They don't complain about it in soccer, look, hockey, look, look, any, basketball, well, anything. But, but hang on a second, though. There are rules in football that you can't just put players wherever you want, anytime you want. Yes, you, yes, you can. There are rules in soccer. There's there's the off, the you know offsides. There's offsides in hockey. Look, you just you know, no. There are rules in no, the sports. There's where you nothing. Can put, the, there's there's no rule in the in 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 football. That says you can't put all of your men on the line or put none of your men on the line. You can have all your guys spread. You can have all your guys in the end zone whenever the ball snapped if you wanted to. There's something to say about basketball. You can yes, there's there are rules you can't you you can't crowd the um paint, but other than that, you can put your guys wherever you want. In soccer, there is nothing stopping you from putting ten men on on 
the defensive line. There's nothing stopping you from doing that. Well, because if you put all of your ten men in defense, then you've got no one for offense. Well, yes, but I'm saying that. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh, but I'm saying that. Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, it's that's stupid. not. That's not defending my. That's not. Yeah, it is because it's a, it's no, a stupid it's argument. No, it's it, not. It's a stupid argument. No, it is not because no one does that, Jacob. Okay, nobody okay. does that. Okay, let me. Technically, you let could me put, ask you a question. Hang on. Technically, you could put all eleven guys in the goal. Technically, you could do that. Technically, yes. But why would you do it's that? Not, it's not. It's a stupid argument. It's not the argument I'm making. I'm. I'm making the argument that you can do it. Let me ask you another but, example. But no, sh- but no sh- sh- one does it, so it let doesn't me ask matter. You, it's irrelevant. Let, 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 me, let me give you another example, okay? Let's just say that I had I had a scouting report that says that, they, that the opposing quarterback has a 99% chance that he is going to run the football every single time. Would it be smart for me to put all of these wide backs, everybody in the backfield defending a pass, or would it be better for me to put all of my players in position to defend against a run? What point? Okay, again. No, no, no. no. Answer the question. Okay, you don't know he's going to do that, though. Y- yes, I have scouting reports that say that there is a 90% chance that he is going to run the football. It is Unless... in my best interest to prevent that happening based on statistics. If I have a scouting report that says that this hitter, who is a right-handed batter, is going to pull the ball 90% of the time, I am stupid not to position my players in a way to defend against that. Okay, again though, I, I, again though, you don't know what's going to happen. In the case of football, you don't know if he's going to run the ball or throw the ball because in, unless you have inside information that, that you're stealing signs like like the Astros, uh, there, there's no way there's no way you're going to know that. And so to 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 only to to only to form your defense solely specifically to to stop passes. Well, then the, the, if the offense catches on to that, then they throw the ball. Again, that's, that's my point. Again, stupid argument. That's my point. Again, no, it's irrelevant. No, no, you're making the point that I was making of just hit better. No. Yes, 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 you are. No. If you see that, if you see that the defense is is set up to defend against a run, I'm gonna pass. But if the, I see that if, the pro- if I see that the defense is set up in baseball for me to pull, I'm gonna try to take my power not to pull. But the problem is though, Jacob, nobody does that. Well, no I'm one, sorry. No one sets up their entire defense solely because they think they're going to run the ball every single time. Nobody does that. Yes, they do. No, they don't. That's what. That is what defensive coordinators are supposed to do, Joe. I, I don't. Defensive coordinators are, are going to try to see whether or not they're going to throw or pass it. Yes, and that's what they set their defense up. So whenever but, they, but fu- their defensive coordinator does not say, you know what, we're only going to defend against passes. No one I, does I, that. I gave a hypothetical situation where. Okay. It's a dumb the, hypothetical, though. The quarterback is a hitter, as to baseball, in this analogy. We know that quarterback X is going to run the ball 90% of the time, no matter what. We know that when Joey Gallo goes to bat, he is going to pull the ball 90% of the time. It's a lot easier to throw a ba- to throw a football or to pass a football than to hit a baseball. I'm not. I, I'm not that's, that's not. that's not the argument I'm making. The argument I'm making okay, but, is that okay, but, but based foot, hang on, on based on scouting reports and history, you set your defense up to defend against that. Okay. I just, Can we all agree I, I with that? I just don't think it's fair to take someone out of the infield and put them in a shallow right field or shallow left field just to potentially stop a base hit. I don't think that's fair because you're taking away action in the game 
when they when they when baseball games can be pretty dull and boring. We, we can both agree to that. It can be pretty dull and boring. So you're sometimes. saying so you're saying that there should be so you shouldn't be allowed to. Okay, so what's the what's the line to cross as far as where because are they allowed to shift to to to, to the left whenever Look, there's? I'm fine with the infielders going wherever they want in the infield. I'm fine with outfielders going wherever, okay. wherever they want in the outfield. So if you had, I just don't want infielders going into the outfield or outfielders coming into the infield. Okay, so if you had. If you had everybody, okay, another example. If you had a left-handed hitter who's going to pull the baseball, and you had everybody on the right side of the infield, and there was nobody over on the left side of the infield, second base, you have second base covering second base, and then you have third and short in between first and second. Is that fair? I, okay, what, is, is, is that fair? Look, what I what I'm just against is putting someone an extra person in the outfield. That's I don't I'm not okay with that. Now, if they want to, if they want to put, if they want to put shortstop and second base, you know, right next to first base, you know, like they create that wall there. I, okay, whatever. Well, well, that would stop every single line driving and, and and ground ball getting through. If you had four guys on one side of the infield, there's there's no ground ball that's getting through. Well, I mean, if any if any manager is dumb enough to do that, well, then okay, by all means. So you're saying so you're saying that it's dumb to shift that way. Yeah, I think the shift is kind of okay, dumb so you, either way. Okay, so if it's dumb, then why do they keep doing it? And, and by your by by your own admission, it's effective because as you said, of course said, it's it effective. Would, okay, but it's but it, but it's dumb for them to do it, even though it's effective. Yeah, because it's it's dumb for the sport, and it, I think it's a little unfair. Okay, so it's dumb because it's unfair, but it's effective. So you've already admitted that it's effective. Okay, what, okay, what the Astros did? Yes, it was dumb. No, yes, I'm not, it was I'm effective. Not talking about the Astros. I'm not talking yes, about the Astros. Yes, it was effective. I'm not talking about that cheating. That's not an argument. I'm not talking about cheating. I'm talking about a scouting report where a guy can go up there and 90% of the time pull the baseball and you position your team to do that. Okay, well, you don't know he's going to pull the baseball every every time he hits yes, the ball. Yes, that's why that. it's a 90% chance. You don't and know- that's better than 10%. I just don't like the idea, and I'm going to say it again, I don't like the idea of putting an infielder in the outfield just to stop a base hit. I don't think that's great because for decades, for years, anytime someone hit a, a soft ground ball between the between in the gaps, it was a base hit. Now we don't have that anymore. Now you have to hit a home run. You have The ball has to bounce off the wall for you to get on base, or you have to get walked or hit by a pitch. Not unless they start hitting the other way. Just break into the defense. But, I, I don't but, understand but that, why but, that's so. But, that, but that's harder to do than yet than I think you realize. No, I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm saying that's how you look. The moment that hitters begin to hit the other way, then the shift's over. Because because then but it's not on. so lopsided so, so, towards so, one so side. The shift has been around for about a decade, right? Yes. There's a lot of players that have come and gone since then. If 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 what you're saying is w- what needs to happen, you need to learn to hit both ways. Okay, we've had a decade, and they're not doing it. Maybe because a lot of players can't. I mean, a lot of players are just not figuring out that. I don't buy that either, though. No, I, I don't. No, okay, hang on, subscribe. hang on. Stop. I don't buy for a second that managers aren't are just now waking up and realizing, hey, maybe we can hit the other way. Of course, they're thinking that. The shift that. has been around for yes, ten years, but it has not been widely adopted for the last. It's only been widely adopted for the past two or three years, tops tops that every single team has used it it used a very very niche thing we saw in a lot of these a lot of these managers like 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 joe madden but it was not widespread now where everybody everybody does the shift that's only been around for a couple of years three or four years tops players do try their best especially good hitters try their best to hit both ways some of them can't some of them just the way their swing is they can't hit both ways i just don't like the idea of 
a situation where you have the game on the line and you have a hitter up there who you know, like we're talking like game seven world series right here. And you know that this bro is going to pull it to the left. You just know it. He's going to do it. It doesn't matter what happens. Now we throw, he knows he's going to pull that ball. And a rule says, I can't put a man to, to stop and end this game. I can't do this move to, to potentially win this series. That to me is stupid. Having a rule preventing, it, preventing against that. In no other sport do we have a rule where you cannot position a player, obviously within the confines of, like you can't have a, a, a defensive player in football be on the line of scrimmage. Obviously, that, that's a, it's an obvious rule. And that would make the game unfair, obviously. But. It's like saying you, you you can't have a guy in the foul territory. You can't have a guy pass a certain point in the infield. I, I, I just don't like a rule preventing a manager from putting players wherever he wants. And just because of some kind of – like how are they going to rule this? Some kind of arbitrary line where, oh, you had you had a one foot in the in the outfield grass. Well, I guess I guess you're ejected from the game now. I, I – I don't. I, I. I. I'm not a fan. Well, I think I, they'll they'll come up with a way on how the how the rules will be written. I mean, I'm I, I, not a fan. Um, but I also I think it's really anticlimactic to think that okay the winning running the winning run is on third, and we're gonna win the World Series. The guy hits a little blooper out into right left into right field, and then the shortstop catches it. Game over. Yeah, that's. I think that's. I think it's really dumb because there's been a lot of games that have been won in that way. <laughs> I think it's dumb for a manager not being able to to defend against that. I I just think I think it's dumb. Well, I think it's the, dumb the, the, for okay. Then, then why not just move your your right fielder in closer? Why not? Because yeah. a ball might be hit over his head. That's why. So what? The whole point of putting a guy right there is so that way the outfielder nothing gets over his head, and the and the shortstop or second base whoever's in the then, outfield then, 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 doesn't allow then, anything to then, get in then, front of then him. Then let's just put six people in the outfield. Then let's just let's just put six people in the outfield. Let's keep four people in the infield, and let's just do that. How would you even do that? Six people in the outfield. Yeah, that's, just 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 you know get get rid of nine. Let's have twelve. No, that's a that that's that's not what, that's not what I'm talking about. But the, again, this that's argu- not that's no, not what I'm talking this, this about. You're talking stupid. about adding more players onto the field. That'd be the same thing as adding a adding two more guys in a game of hockey. You're adding four more guys in the game of soccer. That's not how, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is if there was a rule in soccer that said that you cannot have a a six man line on attack or defense. What soccer manager would be like? Yeah, I'm okay with that. No. It's very rare to see that, but there might be a situation where you want six guys in the back or six guys in the middle. And how many managers do you think that are really okay with what's going on with the shift? Not probably a whole lot. They keep using it so they're okay with it. Well, maybe because— If they weren't okay with it, they wouldn't use it. Well, maybe because it's it's being used against them, so they kind of have to play a little defense of their own. Well— if they but, but if the they were purist about it, they'd be like, "I don't care. I'm a purist about it. I'm not going to use the shift." They're using it because it's effective. No one's saying it's not effective. You did. You I said did. I didn't you say said it wasn't it's stupid. Effective. You said it's stupid to I put said, one guy because there's a chance that ball might go down the other side. I said it is stupid because I think it's kind of cheating. That's the reason why I said it was stupid. I never said it wasn't effective. I that's not what I heard. I heard I heard it was it was not effective because 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 because. Because you don't know that that guy's going to pull the ball. Well, okay, you don't know he's going to do that every single time. Then if that's true, then they wouldn't use the shift. That, but that, that, that isn't that, – not, I don't know. No, I never said it wasn't effective. Of course it's effective because that's the reason why they're using it. It's the same reason why the Astros banged on trash cans because it worked. It, it, but it still doesn't make it right. It still doesn't make it uh, okay. Uh, 
I don't think it's cheating. I think that's a. I think that's you. You could not like it, but to call it cheating, I just I cannot. I cannot. I cannot agree with that. Um, objection, Your Honor. Uh, they're also talking about automatic ball and strike zones. I'm not completely a, against that. Not so. a fan of that either. Um, I. I don't. I, I don't. Taking away I the can, human element. Of I the can. Game. I can already see the system going down, and them having to stop a game to reset everything. Not a fan of that. Well, and it, I, like the so-called instant replay that they instituted a couple of years ago was not really instant. <laughs> yeah, it just drags everything on. Um, things about money here. Top prospects who finish first or second um, in the Rookie of the Year voting will receive a full year of service. So basically, if you if you get voted into um, your, your top prospect who finishes um, first or second in the year of um, voting, you'll be considered um, serving one full year in the Major League Baseball fine. Um, yeah, that's really about all that we've seen. Players can only be optioned five times per season, so less up and down into the minors. That's probably a good thing for a lot of people um, and their well-being and moving their family around, so I can probably understand that. Signing, there's international drafts now. I don't know a whole lot about that, but apparently that's coming in the um, July, so we shall see about wow. that. Um, something about draft lotteries that that hopefully you're going to prevent tanking. I'm not confident in that. I think that people are still going to completely tank. But that's all we know as of right now. They did raise raising the minimum salary, which is probably honestly a good thing for a lot of players coming up. And um, the competitive balance tax threshold has been raised as well a little bit. So that's what we know right now. More details will be coming out in the coming of the days. So... That's the news for the baseballs. Um, on to the news of the worlds. So for uh, last Friday or last Thursday, I wrote an article a piece that I wanted to talk about briefly before we get into the things I wanted to talk about before. Uh, March 3rd, I wrote, a, wrote an article called It's Only Okay to Invade a Nation When America Does It. Got a lot of good traction, got a lot of good feedback from people. Thank you guys so much. Haven't got a whole lot of negative stuff yet, but that's fine. I'm sure that people um, had some negative thoughts towards it and just were uh, not um, down with commenting and ragging on me. Fine, I, I don't care. But the whole point of the piece was that I really wanted to hammer home. And thankfully that this argument that I was making in this article is beginning to come out and some of my favorite or most watched media personalities and uh, this sentiment of... Um, forced and manufactured outrage is beginning to be called into question based upon um, the actions of the United States and the current, the still current actions of the United States. Uh, I have to also preference that I am not defending the actions of Russia. I think we have made that. I have to say that every single episode that way someone doesn't take what I'm saying out of context, but we, 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 con- we condone the actions. We, we, we condemn the uh, actions of Russia. They are, cur- they are at fault here. But uh, two weeks ago, Vladimir Putin launched a military attack on the neighboring country of Ukraine. And there's, we've talked about many reasons why he did this. But the point that I wanted to say is that you can't go anywhere right now without hearing stand. F- I stand with people of Ukraine. Like I, I went on to kayak last night to book a hotel for a trip I'm going on later this year, and the freaking kayak logo is the Ukrainian flag. <laughs> I, I I don't I don't know what more 
shilling and woke we have to do. Now, I've also always said that nothing wrong with the sentiment of I stand with the people of Ukraine. I have no, there's nothing inherently wrong with wanting to pray for the people of Ukraine or, or sending your thoughts to them or wanting to help out the refugees. There is nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Nothing at all. The point of the piece and the point of what I have been trying to hammer home these past couple of days, including with the article that I wrote yesterday about why we shouldn't be celebrating President Zelensky, is the fact that of the atrocities of the United States that we have committed overseas for the past 20 to 30 years. People are like, oh, Jacob, what are you talking about? The United States, we never done anything wrong. We're the, we're the shining example of democracy. We're standing up for human rights, as Ro Khanna said. Whenever he was questioned about why we're getting involved in, U- in Ukraine and Russia, he's like, he's like, we're standing up for for human rights and for democracy. Well, as Hillary said, we're they're fighting for all of us. They're fighting for all of us, Jacob. <clears throat> um, I find that interesting. I find that very interesting, um, considering the fact that the United States has. I mean, I highlight three tragedies that have been committed by the United States government through directly or or indirectly involved. I state Libya. Libya was a secular nation led by the dictator um, Muhammad uh, um, Gaddafi, who I said was not a good man, probably a pretty bad dude. Probably, I don't know if he was as bad as a corn pop, probably right along there with a corn pop as far as one bad dude, but it's not a good guy at, at all. So what did we do? We went in there and said, oh, well, this is a dictator, and we think that the Libyan nation would be much better and much happier and safer with him gone. So we fund and we aid a rebellion of terrorists and um, just resistance fighters to overthrow the government of Libya and uh, kill kill Gaddafi and install themselves as, as government, which, of course, let the power vacuum. Because if we all know the track record of the United States and regime overthrows and regime changes is just um, we're spotless. We're batting a clean 1000 on this. But, but, but no, um, of course, after Gaddafi was removed from power and sodomized to death with a knife, yes, that actually happened. That's how he was killed. Um, Hillary Clinton went and said, we came, we saw he died, and then proceeded to laugh as, um, as she was so happy that, that a man was uh, killed to death in such a gruesome manner. And in fact, the photo that I did post on the Substack was similar or not the same one that Marco Rubio posted on the anniversary of his death. So, nice. Good one there, bro. Uh, Libya right now is engulfed in a civil war to this date and currently has an active slave trade that was not existent before Gaddafi's fall. So, you know, paradise, right? Paradise. Um, They also had one of the largest accesses to natural resources such such as oil and had one of the highest GDPs per capita in that realm of the world and had one of the lowest percentage of people below the the poverty line and now of course all of that is gone and forever and it is in completely engulfed in, in war and chaos ever since so good job you know the the, the people who went around with the um stand with with stand with 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 the refugees in the um in the victims of a libya uh i'm still waiting I'm still still waiting for your flag to be to be to be waved um, of course we have afghanistan iraq and all the other sorts in the middle east Everyone knows what happened in that, and that. I mean, you can don't don't look much farther than what happened with Biden in the Afghanistan. So withdrawal and the fact that moment, I'm talking about literally moments after we left, that the Taliban retook control of the city and the country. So 
20 years, approximately $8 trillion and close to a million lives were all for nothing. So good job. And for people who are like, but Jacob, they, Jacob, 9-11, we have to go in because they caused 9-11. Okay. Has anybody actually ever read Osama bin Laden's declaration of war? Has anybody actually read the words of Osama bin Laden and, and, and understood the motivation behind why he did 9-11? Does anybody ever do that? No. Well, I posted bits and pieces of it so you can go read it. And basically it's because of the bombings of the 90s and the 80s in his country. <laughs> That's why. You can go read it for yourself. I posted the full thing and it's actually archived, I think, by the, by the Library of Congress or the Defense Department. So you can go read it in its entirety. They have the original transcript in um, Arabic, I think is what he wrote it in, and they translate it so you can read the exact words he wrote. I just posted the parts that um, that coincide with my message. The rest of it's kind of more about what they were going to do. But yeah, so 9-11 was caused by, what was that little term that uh, Ron Paul taught us many years ago? Uh, blowback. So again, for the people who were concerned about um, refugees and and I stand with, with the people who were affected by a by the invasion of a foreign power. Um, I, I'm still waiting for you to change your Facebook picture to an Afghanistan flag or an Iraq flag. I'm still waiting for that. Or we can go to the current crisis that we are st still involved in for the past I don't know almost ten years now. Um, Lib I'm sorry, Yemen. Uh, Yemen, of course, is south of Saudi Arabia and is a country that Saudi Arabia wanted to invade and wanted to overthrow the government of because they weren't friends with the uh, Houthi rebellion there that overtook the nation. And uh, Saudi Arabia wasn't too happy with us because of the Iran deal and the, um, the um, war on terror because Saudi Arabia is not good friends with Iran and those were both good deals for Iran. So as a way to kind of play nice, as a, as a way to placate them, as, as Obama was quoted with saying, we have to go along with Saudi Arabia and, and aid them in this, in, in this war in Yemen. So we are in Yemen solely, solely to win political favors with the Saudi Arabian government. Which, I mean, Saudi Arabia, as far as a like government and morality, is... You know, they're a little bit worse than like, I don't know, France, Germany, just a little bit worse. I mean, they're, they're not the, you, you know, Saudi Arabia is among the worst <laughs> governments in the world. Maybe, maybe you could argue North Korea is worse, but are they really? It's hard. Saudi Arabia is a terrible, terrible country led by terrible, terrible people. It's not my, it's not my opinion. That is a fact. Well, it's kind of like debating what kind of cancer you want. Yeah, it's, it's like... It's all bad. It's like brain cancer's bad, but have you had skin cancer? Let me tell you, that one's really bad. Look, we are in a war with Saudi Arabia trying to trying to break out the Houthi rebellion that is in Yemen. Now, Yemen, of course, is one of the poorest countries in the world, the poorest, in fact, in the Middle East. So keep, 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 keep all that in mind whenever I tell you what's going on right, right now. Um, right now, because we're trying to, those who don't know a map of Yemen, Yemen is, is a peninsula, not a peninsula, but it's surrounded by water. And the only other land access is Saudi Arabia. If you look at it on a map. So in the only way to get trade in from, from anywhere is by ship because Saudi Arabia is obviously not going to be trading and allowing supplies in to that nation. So they have to get it through a ship. 
So whenever you have massive starvation and famine going on in this in this land and there's you know millions of people um, according to the United Nations, there's 80% of the population of about 24 million people are at risk or, or they require some type of humanitarian need. So they're all destitute. They, the, the, we are talking about the poorest of the poorest, the most disease-ridden, famine-stricken um, nation on earth right now. That's what we're talking about. So what does the United, what, what does the great United States do? According to Hillary Clinton, Joe, we're standing up for freedom. We're standing right. for human rights. Wrote. Ro Khanna said that we have to fight because we're fighting for the sovereignty of a nation. We're, we're fighting for human rights. Aren't you for human rights? Just, just Why don't you stand up for the people of Ukraine if you're for human rights? Well, the United States, along with um, the, the, um, the um, so UK, I, I mind you as well, the United Kingdom is also involved in this a little bit, and uh, Saudi Arabia, we formed blockades that, were, uh, that would prevent any sort of medical or humanitarian aid from entering the country of Yemen. And of course, we also helped kind of bomb their uh, their uh, civilization as well. Which poorest country uh, in the Middle East? One of the most one of the poorest countries in the world. If you're bombing them, there's there's not a whole lot of stuff left. Uh, this is we we are we are we are kicking them while they're while they're down, as a, as a Don Don Henley once said. And uh, we're doing it uh, we're doing it for a political reason. So. I kind of post more things about it, and um, I talk about why I think that we are um, so infatuated with the people of Ukraine. And again, nothing wrong. Nothing. In fact, if you didn't feel bad for the people of Ukraine, the refugees, I would. I'd be like, is, is everything okay? Is everything okay upstairs? Because like you know, it's okay. It's okay to 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 see pictures of what's going on in Ukraine and be like, yeah, this is wrong. I would be I'd be concerned if you didn't think it was wrong, um, but then again, the the amount of moral outrage and and virtue signaling, like you know, I remember going onto kayak whenever back in 2014, 2015 to book hotels and stuff, and I don't remember them having the they say Yemen flag was was prayers for Yemen ever trending on Twitter or Facebook would. Did did Apple and Coca Cola and all these big co- companies come out and say, "Hey, you know what? We're, we're we're condemning what the United States is doing in in the middle of um of uh, Yemen because it's a it's a humanitarian crisis, Jacob." And you know, of course, of course, as good Americans, we stand, we stand for human rights. That is our most important thing. We stand for democracy. We stand for human rights. So of course, we're against what's going on in. In, in Yemen and Afghanistan, you know, it is funny that people will say that it is, it's wrong to occupy a foreign nation and Putin should be punished for it. So we got to cut off the, cut off oil, which, which Biden cut off oil on Tuesday. We got to cut off oil. We got to close all of our stores as Starbucks close other stores. We got to stop selling Coke, which Coke stopped selling Coca-Cola products in this, in this, in the country of Russia. You know, we got, we got to stop selling iPhones as Apple stopped selling iPhones in Russia. We gotta st- all this. We gotta stop all this because they're illegally occupying a country, and that's wrong. We shouldn't allow this. This is terrible and wrong. They're creating a human. They're creating a humanitarian crisis, and there's refugees everywhere, and there's destruction and bombs. And it's all unjustified. It's war crimes, Joe. It's war crimes. We gotta stand up against it. You know where were you 
whenever the whenever the U.S. has been doing this and still is in Yemen for the past 20, 30 years. Where were you? Or got a better one for you. Where were you in the humanitarian crisis in the in the the the, the, the human rights argument when President President Zelensky, which we're all supposed to revere as this sort of Captain America now of of um, Ukraine, was shelling ethnic Russians in the Donbass region because they didn't want to go along with his phony and puppet government. Where were you then? Where were you? Whenever they were slaughtering ethnic Russians in the Donbass region who wanted who didn't want to be a part of Ukraine, who wanted to be a part of Russia. Where, where were you? Oh, you, you didn't care about U- Ukrainians then. Oh, you still, you, only, you still couldn't point to it on a map. You still can't point to Ukraine on a map. Oh, you only care about Ukraine now because, well... The corporate press and your favorite celebrity told you to care about it. That's 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 the whole point of the art. My my article, people only care about this is because they can go on TikTok now and they can have high definition footage nonstop about the atrocities that is going on in in Ukraine. And again, yes, it is bad. I don't think anyone has has came out. I don't think anybody I know, even people who are solely against involvement like myself and Joe, have said that what's going on here is good. It's it's not. Now I can understand why Putin is doing it. I can understand. I, I I can understand it. I don't think it's right, but I can see in I can see in in his mind why this is right. I can see it. I don't I don't agree with it, but I can see it because I have a thinking brain and I can look at a situation and say maybe two things can be right here. Maybe we can pray for the people of Ukraine, but also we can look deep on the inside and say that now I'm not attacking people per se who are new to foreign policy because like it's not your fault that you didn't know what was going on in Yemen. You didn't know what, you didn't know what truly was going on in, in Libya. Many people probably are like, who was general or not, sorry, who was a Colonel Qaddafi? I, I, have, I have no idea. And, and look, that's not entirely your fault. When was the last time that you've seen any sort of article, any sort of mainstream, or sorry, corporate press uh, piece about what's going on in these regions? You haven't. Because they don't care. They only care about suffering when it fits the agenda. And right now the agenda is Russia's evil, Russia's bad, we have to hate Russia, we have to punish Russia. That's where we're at. And unfortunately... The whole world is wrapped up in this, where we are trying to fall over ourselves in in condemning Russia and condemning what's going on. And if you don't, Joe, if you don't condemn them, well, you just must be a Putin puppet. Well, I mean, we are being deliberately propagandized by all sides in this, um, the U.S., Russia, and even China, all being propagandized in this because— uh, it was yesterday it came out that Putin had deliberately uh, bombed a hospital. Um and I had a conversation with someone, someone about this, and they were saying that, you know, it's definitive that he that he did it. And I said, well, it's not like that they haven't lied to us about stuff before, so I don't know. And they were like, no, he did it. I'm like, well, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I, I can't say definitively that they did or didn't. All I, all I know is that we've been lied to about almost everything uh, going on that's been going on in Ukraine, and then just today I saw that they that Russia supposedly bombed a like a nursing home. Again, I don't know if they did or not, 
Because then when I started looking into, well, did Putin bomb the hospital? Well, Sergei Lavrov, one of the talking heads in Russia, said, well, that hospital had become overrun by uh, the, the neo-Nazis in Ukraine and that he was trying to get, they were trying to get rid of the, uh, the neo-Nazis. And, of course, Fox News reports that they're saying that without evidence. I'm like, well, what evidence do you have that Russia bombed the hospital? Yeah, right, none. So I don't know who's telling the truth. So how do you know who's telling the truth? And then we get these, they didn't differ about a week or two. There's these. There's this buildup of stories that, well, Russia's going to use chemical weapons. Russia's going to use chemical weapons, and then they were debunking stories about how uh, there was U.S.-run chemical or biological weapons labs in Ukraine. Well, then Victoria Newland comes out and says, "Oh well, maybe." It's like, "Oh, hold on a second. Maybe there are. Maybe maybe, maybe the U.S. is funding or running chemical weapons labs or chemical or bioweapon labs in Ukraine." But then, but then I did a little research, and I find out that the embassy in Ukraine uh, has a biological threat reduction program, and so def- so apparently the, the U.S. Department of Defense biological threat reduction program collaborates with partners countries to help uh, to counter the threat of outbreaks from deliberate accidental or natural uh, things from the world's most dangerous infectious diseases. So originally the story was, oh, well, we have these sites to, uh, to dispose of uh, old Soviet-era chemical weapons or biological weapons. And that was like in 2005. And so for 17 years, they're, they're still disposing of these weapons. And then Victoria Newland just a couple of days ago says that oh, we're very concerned that Russia might uh, get a hold of this stuff that may or may not be in these sites. Well, hold on a second. Either there are chemical weapons and biological weapons that the U.S. is maintaining and, and working on at these sites, or there isn't. And then Marco Rubio was like, well, hold on a second. Well, if anyone's going to use chemical weapons, it's going to be the Russians, right? Oh, yes. And Victoria says, oh, yes, that's Oh, yes, 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 yes. And it's like, hold on a second. Why weren't we told about any of this? Because if you go on the website, there's these fact sheets. And uh, on all of these fact sheets, and I, I opened up several of them, the, the major donor in all this was the Defense Department. Defense Department. Defense Department. Defense de- I, I can't. Uh, the Turnipool uh, Diagnostic Lavatory, uh, Defense Department was a donor. They all have the same contractor who built these, and they were all cost around $2 million. Um, and the thing is, is that as, as Glenn Greenwald pointed out in his Substack article, um, the fact that, okay, so they may not have weapons themselves in these sites, but they do have the materials to make them into weapons because, you know, scientists being scientists, they want to have all the stuff so they can, you know, work with it. Well, the stuff that they have in these sites could very easily be turned into weapons, just like what happened after 9-11 with the anthrax attacks because those anthrax attacks came from, um, uh, came from uh, these uh, sites uh, that were that had these uh, types of stuff that were there. Um, excuse me, I gotta take a phone call. Keep okay. Yeah. Yeah. No. And that's that's the that's the danger right now is we're seeing that uh, we're, we're we're supposed to just take all of this information on blind faith. Let's take all of it because well, but you know, Jacob, the Defense Department told us that that this is what's happening. So how dare you question the Defense Department? And and most people right now are just sort of just following along with this. You know, they're just sort of believing all this. And you have journalists who are like, well, the Defense Department told us that this is the case. So, well, that's it. Wrap it up. I can't remember another time in history where the United States government says something. And we're like, and then, 
honest journalists are, are come out and say, well, you know, that's it. That's it. That that's the that's the story. We we can't we can't argue with the defense department because you know they've they've never lied. We we've never had any sort of misinformation come from the defense department, and the CIA, and the intelligence community. That's never happened. We've never had stuff like that. And that's that's that's, that's the danger right now. Is it happened with COVID, where any sort of any sort of any sort of, of, of authoritative figure says something, whether they're wearing a lab coat or they're wearing medals on their on their uniform. Whenever they say something, you're supposed to shut up and listen. And and contradicting or questioning what they're saying is, is heresy, is misinformation. You know, how long is it before we start labeling anything that the Defense Department is saying against what's going on in Ukraine? And any sort of dissent is labeled as misinformation. It's going to be happening. It's where we're already seeing it. And this, is, this, is, this, is, this is the danger. This is, what, this, is the, this is the problem we're at right now. And I see... Stuff like that. You see arguments with the hospitals being bombed, which, of course, we don't know. Um, Douglas McGregor, Gregor, Colonel Douglas McGregor, sorry, um, retired from the army. He went on to Fox Business and said that everything that Ukraine is saying, the Ukrainian government has been saying about this, is being debunked in real time. To trust the Ukrainian government on their word is foolish. Is foolish. This is a government that is corrupt that is manipulative, that is, has lied in the past. There's no reason why we should just believe them at, the, at their word. And here we go. We, here we go. So we have this, this new poll come out. Biden banned oil on Tuesday. So that would have been March March 8th. This, this came out March 7th. This came out before Biden actually banned um, Russian oil, which we, we, talk, we talked about on Monday, why it would be bad. We're seeing some of the effects of it now, folks. Gasoline at where I live in the middle of nowhere, Georgia, is four forty a gallon. Diesel fuel is five forty a gallon, and this is only a, a less than a week after the ban. So yes, oil did spike and come back down to earth, which is probably going to happen. Oil's up today about a percent and a half. We're still sitting at about one hundred and seven dollars a barrel after the giant spike. As supply begins to diminish and as we begin to feel the weight of this, it is going to continually drive the price of oil and gasoline up. It is going to happen. It is it is a fact of economics. But the fact that we have, according to Fox News and according to a Quinnipiac Quini- a pack poll, sorry, Quintipinac or something like that, 71% of Americans back a ban of Russian oil, even if it further increases the price of gasoline. Now, thankfully, um, thankfully, I haven't met a single person who feels this way. Um, 80, 82% of um, Democrats believe this, 70% of independents and two-thirds percent of Republicans say they would support the ban. Here's why this is very dangerous. Here's why well, this is very, very bad. The fact that you have Americans who are already experiencing record levels of oil prices, record levels of gasoline prices, encouraging and saying, yes, I am willing to pay more in fuel, which we're already paying record high prices. I'm willing to pay a little bit more if it means that we hurt Russia because it's that bad. Remember, remember, remember what I talked about a couple episodes ago that once, once we start seeing photos and start seeing videos of Russia 
leveling this Ukrainian military, this Ukrainian National Guard, which, look, folks, it's going to happen. People have this idea out there that Ukraine's holding their own. They're, they're holding their own. They're pushing the, they're pushing the Russians back, Jacob. They're, the Russians, on the, they're, they're on the retreat. This war is almost over. Ukraine is going to win. They're our heroes. Okay, if that's true, as Thomas Massey said, then why, do we, then why is there this giant push, to, this emergency push for aid and for fighter jets, which, which thankfully were denied in, in, in the request as far as U.S. fighter jets? Why is there this push that we have to support them or else they're going to lose if they're winning the war? These things cannot be true at the same time. We cannot have this urgency that if we don't support Ukraine, then all of Europe will fall. And then also say, oh yeah, by the way, they're, they are winning this war and, and Russia's on the retreat. No, what what McGregor's been saying is that Russia un underestimated them, which is completely, completely fair to do, and that they're sending in more troops now because they went too soft on them. They thought that they were going to just, just roll over and die, but they didn't. So you, if, if, if Americans saying that they're willing to pay more, here's, here's one that's scary. A poll conducted on March sixth and March fourth through March sixth indicated that eighty percent of Americans would support a U.S. military response to Russia if they extend the invasion beyond Ukraine and attacks a NATO country. So, if they have one foot in, into Poland, that's it. We got to send in U.S. troops. That's it. Eighty percent of Americans believe that if Ukraine falls, and if Russia moves anywhere outside of Ukraine, we have to trigger World War III. We have to. That's it. We have no other choice. No other choice. 80% of Americans. Keep in mind, though, that... I'm going to try to pull these up real quick. Um, World War II. Because it's so... We're such a weird contrast, and we're running out of time, but I'm doing this real quick. People don't understand that during World War II, um, public opinion of world, of us entering World War II was not very popular until, yeah, here you go, P public opinion upon entering World War II in May of 1940. So this is well after Nazi Germany has gone into France, the Netherlands, and Belgium, and they're on their way to, to, to England. 93% said no. We're seven, only 7% 7 of Americans said yes in May 1940 to go into Europe against Nazi Germany. Now, Nazi Germany, if you're comparing the two, there's a way better argument to be, to be made about, about getting involved against Nazi Germany than there is Russia. Which, again, the context of both are totally different. Th totally different context on what was going on in... In 1940 Europe and what is going on right now in 2022 Europe. What's going on right now is Putin re, re, re reclaiming land and forcing Ukraine into neutrality. Because what's been going on for the past couple years is NATO has been wanting Ukraine to join this anti-Russian force, which is what NATO is, and setting up ballistic missiles and armor and weapons on, right on the border of Russia. It'd be the same thing as if Russia went to Canada and said, hey, we're going to overthrow Trudeau, install a a pro-Russian government into Canada, and then we're going to move Russian arms onto the border of Canada. 
In what world would the United States not be justified in invading Canada and stopping that? What president would, would, what president would allow the Russians yeah, to Yeah, would allow that, that to do that? That's what's going on right now. Again, it's not okay what Putin's doing, but it wasn't okay what, what we were doing. Two things can write at the same time. It's very different from... It's very different from Hitler, who had clear goals of world domination. It, it, it's written everywhere. You can go back and read through history. He had a clear agenda to establish the, the, the Aryan race and to dispatch of any other undesirables. This was clear. This was undeniable historical fact. That is very different than a country who is trying to reclaim a nation who should be neutral and saying, hey, you're not going to join this alliance because it puts our country at national security. And and if the rules were, were, were reversed, many people would support and Americans would 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 93 percent support an invasion of Canada if Russia was putting Russian missiles on the border of New York in Canada they would do it it, it, it wouldn't even be a, a there wouldn't even be, be a vote they would they would be paratrooping in people faster than you can say um, Yankee doodle this is this is the difference and if the fact that you had Americans back then saying nope we shouldn't get involved it's not our fight this is not the freedom of, of America, it's not the, 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 the liberties of America, we're not getting involved. Where now you have 80%, 80% say that they support. Now, of course, does that mean that they're going to go take up arms and go fly to, fly to um, Eastern Europe? No. <laughs> All right, so let's go to Edward Lawrence right now. Shut up, Neil Covito. No. These people are not going to strap up and they're not going to fly and be and be pair dropped into into these countries no they they want to send people my age and people younger than my age to go die in the snow of ukraine that's what they really want that's what they really want and it's honestly gross and disgusting and the fact that we have fallen remember remember we said that military engagement was very unpopular in, in, the, in the minority folks we're at 80 percent right now 80 percent say that they support a third world war if Putin moves past Ukraine. That's where we're at. And that's very scary. It's very scary. And that's how quickly the tides will turn. And watch that number go up and watch the number for just us getting involved in general, not even him moving past Ukraine. Once Ukrainian government falls and once the Ukrainian military and National Guard falls. Just, just wait. Just wait. You'll have people begging Congress to declare war on Russia. Begging. Please end this. You have people in um in a Britain who are already saying, How can how can first world nations stand by and do nothing as this as this, as this horror goes on? We're we're there. We are already there. Thankfully, thankfully, most people that I know personally see through all of this. I don't know if it's whether it's my influence or it's their own intellect i hope it's the latter because i'm just a moron with a microphone but you don't need to be a rocket scientist to see through all this and we're approaching a very very dangerous state very very dangerous joe do you have anything you wanted to talk about uh, or say I, I don't disagree with anything that you said did you uh, talk about oil prices why i stepped out yeah i talked about while they're going up and the fact that uh what 70 i, I said that 71 percent of people before biden put the ban on the 
the embargo said they supported it even if it increased gas prices. So, uh, so one of the ways that Biden is trying to deflect that the reason why oil prices and gas prices are going up is not just because of the Russian invasion, but because of inflation and you know things like that. Uh, he was saying that all these oil companies are sitting on thousands and thousands of leases to drill. And he said, what's well, their fault that, that they're not drilling? And then the CEO of ConocoPhillips, Ryan Lance, said that, uh, yeah, it don't work that way. Yeah. <laughs> Just because you have a lease doesn't mean there's oil there. No, it doesn't. And, and he said it takes like it takes about a year for them to start from 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 getting the lease of land to actually drilling oil. It takes about a year because they got to do all the geological studies. They got to figure out if the oil is even there and where it's at. So it's it's not that it's not that simple, Biden. <laughs> well, it's not that simple. And there's this argument that that the Democrats and the progressives are using. And I think it's so just gross that they're saying that, you know, whenever whenever they're they're confronted about the increase of oil, they're saying oil is increasing, gas and the prices are increasing. What is your response to that? They said, well, well, these well, these oil companies like Chevron and Exxon, they can't be price taking gouging, taking advantage of a bad situation. Folks, that's not how this works. Do you think that whenever the price of wheat goes up, that Nature Zone is like, well, you know, wheat, wheat doubled, so... We're really going to stick it to our customers. So we're going to stick it to our customers and we're just going to just increase the price of that? No, it's not how this works. And and what are you going to do, Rokan, uh, Biden? What are you going to do? Are you tell them not to? Hey, 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 don't you raise prices now. <laughs> I know that I know that oil touched an all-time high for for a barrel in 20 or 30 years but hey 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 don't you be don't you be uh, raising those prices now don't you be raising those prices No that's, that's not how this works I I don't know in what in what universe does that work does that does that argument line up price of commodity increases Therefore, raising the price to the consumer is price gouging. I, I I can't even. Well, the way they see it is, anytime that a com- commodity price goes up, the price of the product should go down. Or the or the, the reason why the price of of oil is going up is because well well like they're just being greedy. Right, because they just suddenly decide to be greedy. Look, and that's not to defend oil companies. I think that they have some some sketchy ethical practices. Full disclosure: I do own uh, Chevron and and the XLE, but. Uh, you know, I I don't think the CEO of a Chevron, Mike Worth, is sitting there saying, "Hmm, oil is above a hundred bucks a barrel. It's probably gonna go up even more." So what's the way that I can really screw our customers over? Oh, I got it. Let's just raise the price of gasoline. That's I want to sell less gas. I want to sell less gas. I want to take a loss. He's like, "Well, you know, oil is increasing a lot, and Bank of America says they're gonna go two hundred bucks a barrel." So. The ethical thing to do is to lose billions this quarter and next year and keep gas at where it's at. That's the ethical. That's the that's the only way to do it. Because do you do you really think that if they could that they want they would raise prices to like five dollars a gallon and keep them there? No, of course they would. the The thing they want to do is be able to have prices as low as possible so people will buy the most amount of gas. They want people to buy their product, and they will only buy it if it's at a competitive price to everybody else. This is such a terrible argument. I think it's so dumb. But look, that's where we're at. You have Americans who are supporting an increase of of fuel. Thankfully, no one I know is stupid enough to fall for that. And you also have Americans supporting, look, 80% support military response to Russia. That is a flip of 93%. And for those who don't believe me, um, I'm pulling up the official Holocaust Museum so if you're saying Jacob is lying about these numbers, I'll link them down below. 
The American Institute of Public Opinion conducted this poll in May of 1940. 93% said no, and 7% said yes. And the question was, do you think the U.S. should declare a war on Germany and send our army and navy abroad to fight? 93% said no. And, and that only changed after Pearl Harbor. And we got involved in, um, in Germany quickly after as, as a result. So well, you, it wasn't until Germany declared war on the United States yes. that the U.S. said, "All right, okay." Yes, well, well, we'll th that's a little different. Yeah. So that's a little different. Once you declare war on a on a, on a country, um, you know, that's a little different than them conquering or going to other countries. Now, if Russia, if Putin were to say, "Joe, bring it on," that's different. That's a little. That's a, that's a little different because that means that he's uh, that that he's not just looking for his own interests in Ukraine. That means he's going after us. You know, that's that's again. That's different. That's not what we're talking about. Russia has not declared war on us. Russia, Russia wants nothing to do with us. The only thing they want to do with is they want to they want to get in there with Ukraine. They've already look. I've wrote in my piece about why why Zelensky should what should surrender and the fact that he's not he's being selfish for not surrendering because he wants to keep this image that he's this great hero and holding back Russia. Russia's, Russia has already told him what he has to do to to in order for him to stop just neutrality. Just you just can't join NATO. What? Uh, imagine how simple and how much lives he would save. So basically, going back to the way they were. Yeah. Because <laughs> Ukraine was not a NATO nation before the war started. So if they continue to not be a NATO nation and get all of the NATO weapons out, he gets his country back, and Putin goes away. So I the fact that he's not. Like there there is this uh, there is this sentiment right now that people think that Zelensky's going to win this. And Zelensky thinks that, well, I'm going to win this, but I, but I need some help. That's why he's calling for no-fly zones. And he has this, he has this idea that NATO's going to come in to save him, which right now... Doesn't look like it. There, there is no indication that, that NATO is going to get involved in this. Germany has no... Has no, I no um, desire desire to get involved. I don't and think neither, France has any desire to get involved. And neither does the United States. I mean, Joe Biden, you take it for what it's U.S. Worth, has, keeps saying that they're not going to go. Yeah, in U.S. as them. of right now has no interest in getting militarily involved. The fact that we've had all these senators and Congress people call for no-fly zones, and Joe Biden, thankfully, has not gone along with them. You know, I, I think it, that's honestly even a good, uh, even laughing Kamala. Come on, like, Joe. We can't, we just can't do that. I'm sorry. No, flies. Would you be crazy, man? <laughs> can't, can't do it. Can't do that. Um, Joe, you have anything else you want to say for the for the for the peoples? Uh, no, that's it. I think we covered everything. I wanted to go a little more in depth about the, the labs, but I had to take a phone call. I well, we can go in depth on Monday. We can talk about that Monday. The little bit about the lab leak theory. UK had. Yeah. Ukraine edition. Yeah. Um, folks, if you enjoyed what you listened to. Consider supporting us on Patreon. Join the website. Five bucks a month gets you early access to every single episode. Hey, that's that is eight episodes for free. That's that is less than a dollar per episode. I don't know what more you could really ask. You can also support us by buying a T-shirt from our Teespring store. Following the LibertyOverdrive.substack.com is where I write all my stuff. In fact, actually moments ago, I posted a brand new vinyl review, so you can go check that out. Is of um is of um. David Bowie's Black Star record, so highly anticipated album that I've been looking for. Finally got it and wrote a full review on it. That's that one of the most exciting works that I've done. I've also posted pictures of the, the latest albums that I've gotten. If you want to see one covered, or, or, just, or, or just any record covered, 
uh, let me know and I will I'll talk about it in a, in a post. Um, I also read read my full length article and be sure to share that with your friends as well. I'm trying to get this message out there. Thankfully, it is penetrating the market. I think in the people's minds very well. And also, I wrote a piece about why we should not celebrate President Zelensky for he is a puppet, a fraud, and a schmuck. A, uh, there you go. Um, yeah, subscribe to Liberty Overdrive at Substack.com. And you can catch the email. You can email myself at Jacob Standridge at ProtonMail.com as to where to reach me best. And um, we shall see you guys Monday. Hope you have a great weekend. And um, have a have a great weekend. <laughs>